I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name's Emmett Mann. Wherever you listen or watch, like and subscribe and do the same for my guest here, Sean Woodley, Lockdown Raptors host. Been doing all kinds of great work during the offseason and is grinding just like me to make things happen day in, day out. How are you, sir? <laughs> Good, man. Yeah, just continuing on the conveyor belt of content until uh, hopefully a Kevin Durant trade comes at some point, although I'm growing less and less optimistic that's going to happen before like October. Yeah, it seems like that. Brian Windhorst today is saying that um, the talks are kind of at a stalemate on both sides. So no one's calling the Nets and they're not calling anyone. So that's kind of where that is. Today is officially the quietest day in sports. No MLB uh, because they had the All-Star game yesterday. No NBA, no NHL. Nothing is happening. I see people on the timeline, the Twitter timeline. They're manufacturing debates about Pascal Siakam and Ben Matabayo. Who's better? That's where we are right now. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not going to do it to you. I refuse. Yeah. Take yep. a break from the discourse. It's fine to take a break, people. Just relax. Let us talk, but you guys can just chill. Exactly. And I am also <laughs> on the, of the opinion that you know we can just celebrate players without tearing down others. I think they're both mm-hmm. exceptional players. And I'll just leave it at that. That's the only thing we're going to say about the debate, and that is the <laughs> only time we are going to address Kevin Durant during this podcast until it happens. Love until it. we get some Beautiful. new news. That is it. We are going to look at the roster that we have right now, and there's plenty of intrigue with that. So um, first, Sean, uh, we saw Christian Coloco perform in Summer League, some ups and downs. But I guess overall, your takeaways from that experience and how NBA ready is this young man? I think his defense is right there. Like he, he oh, yeah. very clearly knows what he's doing at that end of the floor. He knows where to be. Not my great sort of determining factor for young players is do they know where to stand? Shout out to Albert Bernico from Defector for sort of popularizing this concept. <laughs> and Christian Coloco knows where to stand. And that's like half the battle for a rookie yeah. defender. That's great. He's long. He can sort of do the the drop coverage thing with the Raptors, which the Raptors haven't really had since Marcus Stahl was on the team. And that's a beautiful thing. The offense is a little far away, I would say. Like the post-ups, not super great, but also he's not going to be asked to post up on the Raptors, I would assume. He's going Mm. to be asked to crash the offensive glass, perhaps work as a roll man if ever they decide to run a single pick and roll once. Uh, And like that's going to be his lot, I think, on the offensive end to start out. Nice to see him at least testing the bounds of the mid-range jumper and the three-point shot, but that stuff to me feels more like things to work on when he's down with the G League. And I think my overall takeaway is that I think it's more likely Coloco spends a heavy portion of the season in the G League than maybe most people do. I just don't really see the obvious pathway for him getting minutes on this team right now. They have a pretty set, I would argue, nine-man mm. rotation. And then the 10th man is Kem Birch, who say all you want about Kem Birch. He's still a better player right now than Christian Coloco is right now. And sure. I think he probably deserves a shot at that backup center role, whichever that role is going to entail, which probably isn't going to be that much if they're healthy and have their nine guys in place. But with Coloco, I think it is more of a sort of he's part of this shadow core that they're going to take some time with. And I'm assuming we'll see some time for him this year because injuries happen. That's just the way it rolls. But 
I would guess that the majority of his season comes down in the 905, where he'll be asked to do a lot, probably one of the central players on that team. He's going to mm-hmm. be the anchor of the defense and would presumably work, you know, as sort of a pick and roll tandem with, you know, Jeff Doughton or whoever else he's going to be down there with to refine his work as a, as a sort of a target rolling to the rim. Um, but, you know, the defense there, I think, gives him a pretty high floor of what kind of player he's going to be one day. I just am a little bit more skeptical now than I was maybe on draft night that yeah. he's going to get legitimate run on the team this year. Yeah, everything he said is absolutely spot on. I really like that he was such a vocal communicator. And that is something that's really yeah. hard for young players to kind of harness that ability and to embrace it, right? Draymond uh, Greenroll, where they're wanting to be like that hub on the defensive end. Certainly some players want to be the offensive hub, but he's just like, I'm going to yell at you and I'm going to let you know when screens are <laughs> happening and when cuts <laughs> are happening. And you're going to listen because I can do that. And uh, like you said, in pick and roll, his tracking, his uh, passing lanes, his getting his hands in there. He's doing all that at an NBA level offensively I did you know I it was good to see that you know in that final summer league game he kind of did find a stride just a little bit he looked a lot more comfortable he had a pull-up transition three he wasn't hesitating with his jumpers that's all very good and so seeing that progression from summer league day one to summer league last day all very good and as he said he tweeted this a few days ago the real work starts now god love it right go get it young man um I would agree probably more G League time but just because he already is kind of there defensively you, you can think about and you can envision a way that he could actually help the Raptors in like a 10 minute stretch. So it would actually be in that Ken yeah. Birch role. But as long as Ken Birch is there, I think it would give the man, you know, his due and give him some time. And hey, he's going to be healthy. Right. And we can say that. Man. For, yeah. Here's right? hoping. Yeah. Like Ken's season last year, I feel like he gets so maligned for it because he was not very good. Like he was very mm-hmm. like among all the Raptors rotation guys, probably the guy I least enjoyed watching last season. Sure. And I, I think it sucks. He got hit in the face like a million times. He had the knee thing. He had things going on all season long. I'm excited to see what like a refreshed Ken Birch can bring. Um, and yeah, like the nice thing is that there is Coloco there in the event. Ken Birch is not the player he was kind of espoused to be after the Raptors picked him up at the end of the Tampa season. I don't think he was ever going to be the player he was in that stretch because everything that happened in that stretch of season was fake. You had Freddie Gillespie popping off and Malachi Flynn and rookie of the months. It was bananas. It was like the twilight zone. Um, so I don't think we're going to see like 11, yeah. five and three Ken Birch ever again, but if he can just be a reliable guy who actually hits his floaters, then, you know, I think there's a pathway for him there more so than, with Christian Coloco, just because I think the offense is still such a work in progress. And with the way the Raptors are constructed, you can't really afford to have offensive zeros out there because every inch of space is valuable. And I kind of think that could be the limiting factor for him. But at the same time, Nick Nurse played Patrick McCaw a whole bunch when he was healthy. So maybe he'll be large Patrick McCaw (laughs) in the eyes of Nick Nurse. He plays good defense. Get him out there for 28 minutes a game and let him roll. Who's to say? (laughs) Because Patrick McCaw did not make mistakes. That's the thing. That's the Nick Nurse. He does not make mistakes on either end. Didn't do anything that wasn't a mistake. Like it was all just like even even like the no mistakes, no up, no down. Just being Patrick McCaw. But at what point is missing a layup a mistake, right? Like that's got to be a mistake at some point, you would think, because McCaw did that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Nick Nurse doesn't care about offense, man. It's uh, no, he doesn't. It's just like you play right. a defense. That's all that matters for me. Yeah. We'll figure the offensive thing out. Imagine being told by a doctor that yeah, you got debris in your knee because that's what was told to Ken Birch. That's not yeah. comfortable, and it's obviously something that I think other players in the past have been able to play through, and that's what Ken Birch did. I mm-hmm. did think it hampered him quite a bit in his totally. ability to be an effective defensive player. And while we kind of, you know, probably, you know, that campus season probably wasn't as realistic as we probably think. 
his ability to defend probably was pretty real. You know, his ability to yeah. be an effective drop big, I think is very real. And having some kind of ability to guard on the perimeter, not much, but his ability to move his feet, I think is definitely real. And that was definitely hampered with his knee injuries. And if we're able to get, you know, some level of that back in this upcoming season, then he could be, you know, a, an intriguing piece as we get forward in this podcast, we're going to get to Ken Birch and the bench and all that kind of stuff, because it is very confusing at the time. It's a, it's a, you have a, a wealth of players. You could potentially play 15 to 20 minutes for you, which is good, yeah. but who yeah. is going to be those guys? And I guess that's actually a, a natural pivot now is with the roster right now. So we got 12 players guaranteed and that does not yep. include Christian Coloco. That's going to get you to 13. And then after that, uh, your two-way players are, as you said, Jeff Down Jr., Ron Harper Jr., that is solidified. Jeff Down Jr., if he does have like some kind of a miraculous training camp, who knows? He could be converted. That could happen. But on the partially guaranteed side, you got Delano Banton, Armani Brooks, uh, DJ Wilson, and Justin Champagny. So between those guys, they're kind of jockeying for two positions at this moment. And we'll get to some of the other players who are currently guaranteed contracts, um, Svi, Malachi Flynn, whatever's going to happen yeah. there. But between those four guys that I mentioned, who do you think has the inside track? And is it just simply it's Justin Champagny and Delano Banton? <laughs> I think it's Justin Champagne and Delano Benton. I, yeah, I, okay. I think, you know, as nice as Armani Brooks is and as, as much as he had some moments in summer league and with the Raptors last year, I just don't think you're looking at this Raptors roster and ever hoping for a moment where like, oh, we got to get Armani Brooks into this game. Like they're, they're, yeah. they ha- they're too deep for that. And like you mentioned that there's like 12 guys entrenched. Um, yeah, first of all, my brain is like Ken would be the 10th guy. Then the 11th would be Flynn, I guess, on the guaranteed. And then uh, <laughs> Svi is there, too. Is that where we're at here? Like, yeah, yeah, man. There's yeah, so yeah, many yeah. guys. It feels like they have 30 guys on the team. It's hurting my I brain. Know. But um, yeah, like I, I think it's likely that Flynn's on the team, even though I have my own misgivings about Malachi Flynn as a player. And I don't really necessarily think he's going to be all that impactful, but I think he'll be there. You know, they've invested in him in at least some way, shape or form with a first round pick. I would bet they give him one last shot to kind of prove it. Um, and then yeah, Champagny and Banton, I think are no doubters. I think Champagny stands a pretty good chance at some point of making it into the rotation based on his general Raptorsiness with the offensive rebounding, the multi-positional mm-hmm. defense. And the fact that like he hit 40% of his threes on like six and a half attempts a game in the G league last season, that's not, yeah nothing it's not a massive sample it was like 14 games but still something to grow on and if that is in any way real of course he's a rotation player why wouldn't you want that guy in there so those guys i think are are pretty comfortable with wilson brooks um you know everyone else wilson we'll see i just don't really see there's not a pathway to christian coloco getting minutes ahead of ken birch i don't see where dj wilson's getting minutes on this team so maybe it is better spent that roster spot on maybe an armani brooks just to have a little extra guard play um but like it's i'm not gonna lie to you man we're deep into the offseason we're obviously talking about the back end of the roster a whole bunch but like None of this is going to matter to the actual team. They have nine guys in their rotation right now who look like they're going to make an awesome nine-man rotation. And sure. if there's three or four guys who can backfill there, who the 14th and 15th men are, I know it's like the summer thing to talk about, but like <laughs> we don't need to have takes on I DJ know, Wilson. I know, really. I know, like I as know. much as it's our job to, yeah. I, it's you can realize, okay, he's a nice player who probably is not going to make all that much of an impact in the NBA. And that's fine. Not everybody does. Hmm. 
And it's important to keep in mind that with DJ Wilson and Armani Brooks, they were both brought in as insurance because injuries were taking their toll on the Raptors roster. DJ Wilson, yeah. look, like he is an intriguing player, and I think he does have a place in the NBA. And I just don't know if it's with the Raptors because you think about the players that they already have at center, Precious, Kem, Chris Boucher, and then they also like to get funky. So maybe it's Scotty Barnes, maybe it's Pascal Siaka, maybe it's OG Ananobi. Like all these guys could play center at some point this season. Then with Armani yeah. Brooks, unless he is like a CJ Miles lights out NBA shooter, then yeah. I don't know if he's going to be able to carve out a role, at least with the Toronto Raptors, right? Because then if he can't be the hub of your offense off the bench, then I don't know if he's going to be a person that you can actually put out there because then what is his role? What is he doing that other players that you mentioned earlier in the rotation who are solidified players in that in that spot, what is he doing that those players can't do that's helping you win games? He's not going to help you raise your ceiling with your yeah. bench team. And uh, that's kind of a factor with the Raptors because, I mean, we know that their bench was the worst in the NBA last season. So yeah. uh, if that's not happening, then so be it. Malachi Flynn, 73 points at the Jamal Crawford Pro-Am. I know... It's fun to talk about, obviously, how much does it mean? I don't know, but like the graphic that was going around. It means Malachi... nothing, okay? It means I, nothing. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but the graphic that was going around where he outscored DeMar DeRozan and LeBron James in the Drew League, in the Drew League that was pretty funny, right? But outside of that, sure. I mean, what is Malachi Flynn's path to minutes? I don't know because the Raptors want to play Scotty Barnes at point guard. That is a thing that the they want to do. And like, we're, I'm trying to figure out a role like could – Delano Banton be playing small forward or slash shooting guard because that's how much they want to play Scotty Barnes and Pascal at the point guard position. When Fred VanVleet goes off, it's probably going to be one of those two. So then where do you put Malachi Flynn? He has to be like, I say light, lights out three-point shooter. He has to be like an unbelievable three-point shooter to be able to get minutes. And still, you look at it, he's still only like 6'1". So, ah. Yeah, his path to minutes is growing nine inches before the season starts. Like that's, that's yeah. what it is. I'm sorry. Eric's going to find a way. Eric Flynn will find a way. <laughs> I always feel like too much of a hater with Malachi Flynn. Cause like it's, he's gotten a raw deal. He was drafted in yeah. that weird draft. That was like a month before the season started. There was no summer league, a, a shortened preseason. His first season was the Tampa year. Mm. He got some run at the end of the season, but it was entirely fake because the team wasn't real. They weren't trying to win. None of it mattered. It was all, it was the whose line is it anyway portion of the season. Points are made yeah. up, nothing mattered, blah, 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 blah. Like that obviously didn't carry over. And I just think, yes, there's sort of, there's like two schools of thought. It's well, Malachi Flynn has never grabbed the opportunity when he's had it. And then there's also Malachi Flynn's never really gotten an opportunity. I don't really think that's true. Like he's had plenty of opportunities last season, especially around the COVID spell where the team really got hit to come yeah. in and seize a job. And he just didn't like he, he has a career 48.5 true shooting percentage. He, that's not good enough. That's, that's like early mm. season pressures at you numbers. It's just not where you need it to be. And then it, even later in the year, he had those four games Four. it's the new Andrea Bargnani 13 games, the four <laughs> Malachi Flynn games after the all-star break, Fred's hurt. Flynn comes in to start. He played really damn well. It was awesome to see. Then he got hurt. That sucked. Miserable that he got hurt. But after he got hurt, the team formed into this new thing where Scotty and Pascal were the two apex predators leading every possession down the floor. And it worked really well. They were super good in the back part of the season. Yeah. And I'm not saying they wouldn't have been really good if Malachi Flynn had been playing, but they found the identity that I think in theory is going to be the identity of the team going forward too, which is Scotty and Pascal are like the dual heads of the snake. 
Fred's like a third mini head kind of poking out who now gets to work off ball more often. And I totally agree. They want the backup point guard on this team to be Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. And they have now, I think, enough in the way of depth up front in the addition of Otto Porter, the return of Thad Young, ingratiating him into the system a little bit more often, where they can afford to kind of slide them positionally, Siakam and Barnes, into being more guards on this team. And then the forward core is all filled up between Precious and OG and Thad and Boucher and Porter. And you're still sitting there with a pretty balanced looking roster and your court geometry makes a lot of sense. There's just not going to be a time where I'm itching for Malachi Flynn to get minutes on this team unless he becomes an unbelievable shooter and playmaker. And look, he has not been given the chance to r- run pick and roll the way he did so masterfully in college where he was like the top nine, like top 3% of all pick and roll ball handlers by efficiency in college in his final season. That's fine. The Raptors don't run a ton of pick and roll. You're not going to change your whole team system for Malachi Flynn when you have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and all these other guys that you're catering your system to. So it's unfortunate. He's been, a, a, I think, a benefactor or whatever the opposite of a benefactor is, a victim of the, the way the team has kind of moved after drafting Scotty Barnes and going into Vision 6'9". They've moved mm-hmm. on, it seems, from the idea of Malachi Flynn as a part of the future. And I, had he done more to grab that outside of those four games, then maybe I'd be sitting here saying, man, he got a really raw deal. But like the numbers speak for themselves. He's never been efficient. He's never been a willing three-point shooter. And he's never been an efficient three-point shooter, which is yeah. what they desperately need. They need his shot making more than anything else. And last year, the bench was the ground for him to go and do that shot making, playing with guys who were not offensive threats, who were really just there to crash the offensive glass and defend. There was a world in which Malachi Flynn becomes that, you know, guy who just comes in and can score 12 for you off the bench because he is a good scorer and shooter. He just never did that. And to me, if he's not being that, he doesn't really have a spot on this team. And I feel terrible for saying it because it's not his fault. He got drafted into the situation he did. But I also think you have to sort of, if you're a Raptors fan who is sort of under the impression that everything they do is gold, everyone they draft is going to be good. That's just not true. And sometimes you miss. And sometimes you yeah. take Malachi Flynn instead of Desmond Bain, and you uh-huh. ruin that decision for uh-huh. years, and you yeah. get sad about it, but you just yeah. got to move on and then adjust your team to the guys who are going to drive you forward. Sure. And unfortunately, that's not Malachi Flynn. And Fred Van Vliet talked about this a little while ago. I asked him about it um, around mid-season point because when he came into the NBA as an undrafted player, and I said, how did you harness minutes? Like, right off yeah. the bat, he was able to find his way. And he's like, yo, like, I wasn't going to play if I didn't become like this person who knew every single play in the playbook, who embraced his role, who was just like this defensive gem, who had this basketball IQ that was wise beyond his years. He's like, I wasn't going to play, so I just did it. And I'm not saying Malachi Flynn did not do that, and it's been certainly a lot harder for him to find a path two minutes just with the Raptors and the way that they're the style that they're playing. But as you also said, the, the G up- League season in the yes. Tampa year getting shortened yeah. and ruined by COVID also yeah. really sucked. It sucked. Yeah. You know, it's all of it is very unfortunate for him because I do think he's an NBA point guard. And I do think with the Raptors playing style, um, not being so pick and roll heavy, I, I do think that's influenced his ability to be an effective point guard. A lot of teams do run pick and roll. Right. So that's what makes you think, like, why are the Raptors continuing with this? Maybe just have like, let's bygone be bygones. Let's just go our separate ways and let's just, yeah, let's just depart. And let's say that I'm sure someone's going to give Malachi Flynn a chance. Right. If they mm-hmm. were to cut him, and I'm not saying that they're going to, but if they were, he would get an opportunity to play on an NBA team. And obviously there is this thing looming over us, Kevin Durant, yada, 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 yada. <laughs> but, um, I just like, why are we continuing with this? Why are we doing this? Like we kind of know how the story is going to end. So let's just get to the final chapter. 
you know? Yeah, I guess like my issue with the Flynn discourse is often like the just complete consternation that Nick Nurse would refuse to play Malachi Flynn. Like, yeah. of course he's not going to play Malachi Flynn, man. He's not 6'9". He doesn't really, I mean, he defends well. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For his position and his size, let's give him credit for that. Had some moments in the playoffs, stonewalled sure. James Harden a couple times. That was cool to see. But like, it's not like some grand failure of Nick Nurse. You can complain about Nick Nurse in all sorts of different ways if you want to. <laughs> not playing the point guard who can't hit a shot to save his life who is six foot one and doesn't yeah. fit the scheme of the defense is not one of them to me. Not being able to get into a rhythm as a bench player is something that I think a lot of players have to learn how to do. Like it's something sure. that it's very difficult to do, right? Like a lot of NBA veterans struggle with this kind of stuff. Carmelo 100%. Anthony, for instance, right? Like when he transitioned to being an older player and now he's an off the bench player, he talked about, he's like, it was really, really hard, but guess what he did? He worked at it and he made mm-hmm. sure that when he got his opportunity, Tom Brady, when you get your opportunity, don't bleep it up, right? <laughs> that kind of does, it comes down to that at some point, right? And mm-hmm. for Malachi, I mean, again, I do think he's a, at the very least a backup point guard in the NBA. Him being 6'1", especially with not just the Raptors transitioning to this style, but the whole NBA is transitioning to this style. They're, gonna, they're looking for ways to make their shooting guards and small forwards point guards because of yep. this very fact of what we just saw in the NBA finals and the playoffs this past year. And the Raptors are ahead of the curve in this way. So why are they going to take a step backwards <laughs> by, you know, giving Malachi Flynn minutes? I would rather Scotty Barnes go out there and have like eight turnovers than put out Malachi Flynn and he drops like 20 and five. Just because yeah. we know what this could lead to with Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam being your point guards. And then with the roster construction, like you said, um, I guess this is a natural pivot to the bench now and how they're going to be distributing their minutes because we know Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, and I want to get to the Precious Achua, Gary Trent Jr. thing in a second, but yeah. Precious Achua, Otto Porter Jr., Thad Young. Those are your four players are going to be coming off the bench. You can pencil in, I think, and I know uh, Nick Nurse last year liked to bring in Chris Boucher and Precious Achua at the same time. He thought it was really fun and really interesting. He's like, I got a little pep in my step when I saw both of those long, rangy, energetic players coming in. So you could say maybe 24 minutes to them, right? And then after sure. that, Otto Porter Jr. and Thad Young, 20-ish. That doesn't leave a lot of room. And that's just right. me like ballparking what it could be. But do you think that's a fair estimation for, for those four players? I would say, I mean, so let's just dive into the precious Trent thing right now. I think you should start precious hundred percent. Like I am fully yeah. on start precious, move Trent, make Trent the sixth man. He was very clearly born to be the man has a gunner's spirit 
Let him yeah. do it. Let him run the second unit offense. See if the, the sort of the, the self-creation can carry over and he can run some second units with the help of a Thad Young and an auto porter flanking him. And Chris Boucher, like that to me sounds awesome. You slide in one of Fred or Scotty or Pre- Pascal as like the secondary ball handler in those groups. You're, you're golden. I, I, I think sure. for me, I want Precious playing 30 plus minutes a game this season. I, like I, I'm comfortable gotcha. saying that yeah. his defense is so so ridiculously good and the offense came along so well last season in the back part i think he's deserving of the run and to me he's the guy who more than anybody else on the team unlocks vision six foot nine as being an invaluable thing you can go with for a majority of a game because he can do the things you need from a center while also being as mobile as he is at his size so start precious fully on that bandwagon i'm taking tickets for anyone who wants to join me we're driving it all the way through the summer (laughs) to the season that starts it's going to be great um as far as the other guys, like, yeah, I think Boucher, Thad, Porter, like it's a fun bench trio. We saw some really good chemistry between Thad and Boucher kind of developing by the end of the playoffs as well with the, the cuts and the bounce passes. It's all so beautiful. Yeah. I think Porter, like he'll fit in literally any lineup because he sure. can just go stand in the corner and hit 45% of his threes. And you're sitting there like, hey, Otto Porter, good job. You've done what you're here for here to do. Yeah, um, yeah. And like with Trent, I, I still think coming off the bench, you can still give him. 28 minutes a game you can still close him some games and i think where the minutes come away from is you take some off of fred take him from 39 down to 33 learn yeah. something from last season hell yeah trim those six minutes off disperse <laughs> yeah. them elsewhere don't make pascal play 40 minutes a game trim it down to 34 they're going to be deep enough and talented enough i think that they can still win regular season games without having to overexert their guys like they did last year, where they only had six guys you could trust in any given night. So they had to play them a lot. Otherwise, they Mm. weren't going to win 48 games. I think the depth they have now combined with the overall talent across the board, one through nine, that's going to be a recipe for winning a lot of regular season games without having to play guys insane numbers of minutes where like four guys are in the top 10 in the league in minutes played. That's untenable. And like if you have ideas of going deeper in the postseason next year, which – you know, you can argue whether or not that's fair. They were ahead of schedule last year. Do you want a round or two this season? That'd be great. I don't know if it like is a failure if they don't get through a round, but mm. like if you have designs on a deeper playoff run, that's where you have to start managing the minutes better. And I hope they learn the same lesson they learned with Kyle Lowry, where sure. totally burned himself out in 16, 17. He comes back in 17 and 18. They trim him down to like 32 minutes a game and he's awesome. And he is working off ball a little bit more. That to me is the model for Fred here. And to trim the minutes off of those main heavy, heavy hitter yeah. guys and just give them to guys like Porter and Thad and Boucher. It's not like you're giving those minutes to Sfee, right? If you are giving those minutes to Sfee, then just don't give them to Sfee and run the guys into the ground for all I care. Mm. But you don't have <laughs> to do that because there are nine really good NBA players yeah. on this team that should be able to kind of share the loaded minutes. So it's not so stratified with the guys at the top of the roster being so overtaxed. And I think that was part of the experiment uh, last season as they wanted to see what they had in those players. And you got to think about the process that the Raptors are going through. Like, sure. I think that this was like season two of their new kind of vision with this thing. And the first season was essentially playing their starters a lot of minutes. And Masai Ujiri even like acknowledged that. Like, yeah, that was the plan. We wanted to see what we had in these guys because at some point they're going to have to make a decision on who they're going to keep. That's a whole different discussion. But at some point they can't keep yeah. all of them, right? That's the yeah. reality of this, right? And so now you're going to the next season and you bring in a, a player like Otto Porter Jr. who's a 40% career uh, three-point shooter and last season he was load managed quite a bit by the Golden State Warriors and he actually said that you know what I think they actually kind of really helped my career by yeah. doing that and I think I would imagine that's going to be happening a little bit with the Toronto Raptors as well um, but sure. in the end though I think 
there's more versatility to him than I think we even saw with the Golden State Warriors. Like he can actually pass the ball. He can actually drive the ball. He can actually hit mid range. The dude got a max contract like six years ago because he could do all that stuff. Exactly. When he's when he gets the opportunity, he can hit mid-range shots and the three-point shot is there. So he is so versatile and he could be a person that you know gets into the starting lineup if injuries start happening. All that's oh, yeah. to say is that there's so much going for the Raptors with their starting lineup. And I think because of Gary Trent Jr. and his ability to be a microwave scorer and, and the fact that they struggle so much with bench scoring last season, I do think like you kind of took the point that I was gonna say. Obviously not. Sorry, <laughs> no, oh, not, a, not, not, not a problem. Um, but because Precious Atua has like a defensive player of the year candidacy at some point down his vision of his NBA career, because he has that kind of ability. And now he's going to take pressure off of Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. They don't have to guard the best players on the other end. Although I think Nick Nurse wants OG and Anobi to do that, but yeah. it does lessen the load on those players. And I think we have to get back to doing that, right? We were doing that in that year with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, right? And that was an amazing thing to have. All of a sudden, those guys were pretty fresh for the playoffs. And we saw what happened with Fred Van Vliet. That still does really bother me because I do think they could have beat the 76ers if he was just like kind of healthy, but he wasn't, yep. right? And obviously, that was part of the experiment, yada, yada, yada. It's fine. But now we're in season two of this. It's time to start perfecting this and to take this sure. to another level and it's not just with you know internal development it's about also like your structure and, and your approach and your workflow and doing that i think that's why you got to start precious right yeah I think that's what makes most sense for everyone yeah and I, honestly i think the point you make about sort of taking the burden off of scotty and pascal in that situation is really really valid because yeah. Like OG and Achua and Fred being able to be your three horses defensively, oh. put Fred on the best opposing oh. guard, Precious guards a big, or he can guard under wings. You can switch with OG. OG can guard the best opposing wing. Like that freeze. If you're hiding literally yes. Pascal yes. Siakam and Scotty yes. Barnes and other people, yeah. you're in a really good spot. Mm. Like some people have to hide JJ Redick as the fifth sure. defender. You're hiding a guy in Pascal who I think should have been considered for all defense last year. Mm. And a guy was in Scotty Barnes who was branded more as a defender than an offensive player coming out of yeah. school. That's pretty incredible. And you remove Gary Trent Jr. from that lineup as the starting group, which I think is good for the defense. As much as he helps drive things with steals, he's more of an event creator on defense than he is like an actually good defender. And they needed the event creation last year because their offense stunk. But I think their offense is going to be better this season with uh, an improved Barnes and Siakam even more settling into his role, ideally with more shooting around him than he had Mm -hmm. in the back part of the season where Fred was busted and OG was out. That to me is going to power a pretty decent offense. I would predict it to probably come like 12th, maybe, maybe even, you know, scrape top 10. And then the defense gets better when Gary Trent Jr. is not out there because there's not that weak spot to go and find on switches and target. And like you're telling me that Tyler Hero wouldn't start feeling footsteps behind him if Gary Trent Jr. was in the running for six man of the year. Mm. Like he would probably win the damn thing. The man yeah. is a gunner. The man loves to gun. He loves to chuck shots and he's really good at it. He's a sure. perfect six man. You have to sell him on it. That's probably the one hang up here is can you convince Gary Trent Jr. in a contract year to accept the six man role? Can you convince his agent that that's a valid thing to do? Yeah. That's the one sort of complicating factor here. But I think in terms of roster construction, you build it all out. In theory, your starting lineup is Scotty is your point guard. Your two guard is Fred. Three is OG. Four is Pascal. Five is Precious. That to me is, is ideal in terms of the yeah. hierarchy and sort of reorganizing, to your point, reorganizing the sort of structure of the team around what the vision of the future is going to hold. Sure. 
And if you want to sell this to Gary Trent Jr. and his agent, you can say that, hey, you know what? We know the deal with the starting lineup. There is a lot of shots and there just isn't yeah. enough opportunity, right? Like OG yeah. and Obi is already clamoring saying, I want some more shots, Nick. How do we make this happen? First, the two <laughs> would be the pick and popper. He would be a transition scorer. He'd be an opportunistic scorer, right? So now yeah. you're taking that pressure off of uh, some of the other players on defensive end, but now they have more room to grow offensively. And that's going to help OG yeah. and Obi. That's going to help Scotty Barnes. It's going to help. Pascal Siakam. Meanwhile, Gary Trent Jr., come in and do your thing, bro. Do yeah. your thing. And I and he can still he can... close games. Yeah, yeah like, absolutely. I mean, he was great closing games last year. They had like five options closing games last year exactly. where you had no yeah. idea who it was coming to. That's why they were so good in crunch times because they had five yeah. dudes who could hit a game-winning yeah. shot. And so, and I do think they do need a little bit more ball handling off the bench. Like, obviously, you know, Pascal and Scotty, they're going to be your uh, de facto point guards and so forth. But just Mm -hmm. the idea of having like Otto Porter Jr. and Thad Young and Chris Boucher and whoever as like your bench players, there's no ball handling there. And so, well, and now Gary Trent Jr., I would assume is going to be. Hey, watch what you're saying about actual point guard Thad Young, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Half court point guard. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. Good point. Vision passing point guard. Um, <laughs> Elbows man. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I love it. Love that stuff. Uh, but Gary Trent Jr., well, I, I would assume that he's going to be working out during the offseason. He comes back a better ball handler. Now you can trust him to bring the ball up or whatever the case is. But at least you have that a little bit more covered because you just need a little bit of that. I mean, I know the Raptors want to say, like, oh, well, we can put anyone in that point guard. It doesn't matter. Can they ball handle? Yeah. Who cares? But it does kind of matter. It does kind of matter. And I don't know what's going to happen with Delano Banton. I still think that, you know, he's probably better off being a shooting guard slash small forward on the Toronto Raptors because his turnovers and so forth doesn't really help the possession battle when you're trying to be a a team that does get more shots off. And also maybe he's better suited to be that player, right? With his skill set, with his ability to get rim pressure. They don't have that many players who can just like drive by players and get in the paint consistently. And I could see him being able to do that considering it seems like his three-point shot's a lot better. I think he shot 46% during summer league. Small sample size on three attempts. But still, if that shot's there, then now you can think, okay, well, maybe he's like your 11th, 10th guy, whatever it is. And he can sure. give you a new little a new little wrinkle to your offense. Yeah, I think Banton is an interesting guy. Like, I, I wouldn't predict that he's going to be a regular fixture in the rotation this year. But, like, the growth he showed in summer league was notable. Like, yes, yeah. the turnovers are still high, but the, the three-point shot looked a little less broken, uh, which is, you know, baby steps. The the downhill sort of element that he brings is really great. And he's, like, a very disruptive defender who does the things you want. I could totally see yeah. him sliding into those bench units if, you know, there's an injury to Thad or if Porter needs a night off or something like that. You obviously sacrifice some shooting if you're swapping in, him in for Porter. But I, I do think he kind of gives it back in other ways. And if he's your ninth mm-hmm. most important player, that's fine on a given night. You know, he was at times last year, like the fifth or sixth most important players in some of these games, which is not sure. what you want. And I just think there's so much better set up with the emergence of precious, with the addition of Porter, with the bringing back of Thad and Boucher, they're just going to be deep enough to withstand some stuff. And those yeah. back end guys are not counted on to be huge difference makers. They can just kind of pop in from time to time and offer moments of relief and moments of interesting play without it being sort of the be all end all for how the team actually ends up performing. Final question for you. Will Svi be a Raptor when next season begins? Yeah, I I would say, I think he will actually. Yeah. I think it depends. I bet it's probably like either him or Brooks, I would guess. Hmm. Um, But I would guess that the fact that he's six, seven, the fact that he does have a little bit of defensive chops 
he's never been the shooter he's been proclaimed to be. Like his numbers have never really stood out except for like a half season with Detroit or whatever it was. In the G League so, he is. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, he played one game last <laughs> season in the G League. He dropped 40 and hit seven three. Yeah. I, it's like a mental thing, I think, with him. Because like in the end, at some point, a catch and shoot three is a catch and shoot three, whether it's in the G League or it's in the yeah. NBA, right? For for a person yeah. like him, if you're in the corner and you get a, you get the ball, and if you hit the shot or not, like the shot is very similar. It's it's a yeah. weird thing for him, man. Anyway. I would I would guess he makes the team over a guy like Wilson, um, just because yeah. they need some ball handling and guard depth in case of emergency. You're not going to be relying on it if he's playing real minutes next year. Something's mm-hmm. probably gone horribly wrong, but I, I do think just like the idea of Speed Mahaluk is at least more interesting than the idea of a fully realized DJ Wilson to me. So I, I would lean towards yes, but. I could totally see them also just saying, "Hey, we'll take the cut for whatever money we are we are going to owe you, and just let you go, even though your deal's guaranteed." I, that both are very much on the table. It, again, though, this is the fifteenth man we're t- talking about. It's nice that this I is know. not like I a know. big decision that's going to alter the <laughs> yeah. outcome yeah. of the team. It, it, it's sure. it's nice that that's sort of like uh, like his last year's fee in the preseason was like this guy might be the seventh best player on this team, man. and that's not the case now. <laughs> So that's, yeah. I think, a useful development, a helpful development, one that I think speaks to the depth this team has now compared to last year. The only way that I could see him maybe not being on the team, and I think this is actually a possibility, it, it kind of comes down to whether the Raptors want to go this route or not, is if Jeff, they can't be doubting me, Downton, finds a way to be really <laughs> impressive in training camp and shows that what he did in summer league can actually translate to the NBA a lot faster than we may think then maybe yeah. you think, okay, so maybe we want to use him because he is 6'3". Maybe he wants to be like a shooting guard. He's a very smart player. At least he showed that during summer league. Maybe you think that they could find a way to use him in some kind of guard way or just they want to use him as their guard depth instead of Sveet. That is really the only way yeah. that I, I think uh, he doesn't end up being on the Raptors uh, come mm-hmm. next season. But I also wouldn't excuse it. I think that's a real possibility. Yeah, I don't think it's likely that Doughton gets converted or anything on the strength of a good preseason. Like having a two-way guy is a pretty yeah. valuable thing, right? Because they can play games sure. for you yep. and you can always convert them by the end of the season and you, it's, it's an extra couple of roster spots. So unless they have someone awesome to fill in their second two-way, I don't mm-hmm. really see him getting inverted prematurely because you still have like the 50 days or whatever it is to use up with him. Um, yeah. So I would imagine they'll get the full use of the two-way before potentially converting him and then maybe making a call mid-season. Um, but it's nice that Doughton got the call. Like, you know, I, I again, I don't think there's much of a pathway for him getting real minutes on the team this year, barring some yeah. sort of disaster. But, um, you know, cool to see a guy get rewarded. And yeah, he probably is like the biggest existential threat to schema high Luke's NBA career that exists right now, which uh, can you like hang banners yeah. for that? Can you get like uh, <laughs> like plaques for that? Should we give that to Jeff Doughton? Existential threat to schema high Luke? Uh, that sounds pretty fun, no? <laughs> sounds like a headline for a trailer. <laughs> uh very very true uh, maybe they want to bring back david johnson on two-way yeah and then you convert uh, uh, yeah i don't know I'm, I'm, I'm just throwing things out there okay if you get if you get one out of two second round picks at 46 and 47 who becomes a useful player that's good i think you might have to cut your losses on old davy j mm, unfortunately <laughs> for him who knows maybe things work out for him with a, a different nba franchise all right sean woodley yeah. Locked on Raptors. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on your podcast platforms. Listen, watch all that fun stuff. Anything fun coming up? Actually, you're going on your honeymoon. I know that. I That's fun. That's yeah. really fun. Yeah. So I'll have some pre-recorded episodes. You'll be part of one of those uh, that'll be Spoiler. dropping throughout the first three weeks of August while I'm away. Also on Friday, I have Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report popping on to talk about the Kevin Durant negotiations and where things are sitting with that. So that should be nice. a lot of fun. 
keep an eye out for that on Friday. And uh, yeah, just been doing some mailbags and typical off-season fare the last little while here. The Kevin Durant stuff really helped me go for a couple weeks there, but I'm tired of talking about it. So we'll, re- we'll revisit when there's new news to, to dive into, as I'm sure you probably feel as well. Keep on ringing that towel, bro. Keep on ringing that towel. Get every last juice out of it. All right, good people. Have yourself a nice, uh, nice summer, nice weekend. We're going to talk to you guys again. I'm not sure why I said nice summer. Just have fun. We'll talk soon. Way to break the news, man. Bye. (laughs) Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 